We are in the fifth week of this six-week series on the Apostles' Creed. And uh, as I said before, for some of you, we found out during this series, for some of you, you've known the Apostles' Creed all your life. It's been something that has been recited, if you will, in your churches weekly when everybody stands up and says it together. For others, there's no comprehension at all of what the Apostles' Creed is or where it's from or why we do it or what it means. And we have people all in between those two extremes. So we thought it would be a great idea to look at, to spend time in a series, if you will, on the Apostles' Creed here at Renovation Church, particularly since the Apostles' Creed is part of our statement of faith of Renovation Church. It's important that we know what what we do believe. So I hope you'll come tonight to write some things down in this little handout that you have. There's plenty of space there for you to, um, if, you, if you hear one or two things that are new, that you can write them in in addition to the blanks. Um, because we're going to be talking about the church tonight, the church. You see, God's plan for changing the world is spelled C-H-U-R-C-H. We talked about the church first a couple of uh, months ago when we looked at Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. And uh, tonight I've put the scripture from the Good News translation up here. And so I tell you, Peter, this is Jesus talking up on the Mount of Transfiguration. So I tell you, Peter, you are a rock. And on this rock foundation, I will build my church. And not even death will be able to overcome it. Church. Jesus coined the word. It's the first time in Scripture that I'm aware of that the word church, ecclesia, was used. He made up the term. So, what is the church? What is this about? Uh, It's the only plan that he had, by the way. That plan, the church, was handed down to you and to me. And the church is much more than a building. I mean, this isn't a church building. Church buildings are up and down the street. In our minds, what church buildings should look like is not the building at all. It's the people that make up the church. So that's why I call tonight living with God's people. God's people are the church. Uh, The phrase that we're going to look at, or two phrases actually in the Apostles' Creed tonight, are first of all, the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints. So what in the world is that all about? And how do we live with uh, God's people? There's three points that I want us to cover tonight, and the first is this. If you believe in something, if you believe in the church, really if you believe in anything, join it. Join it. Be a part of it. Join it. And I think there's plenty of proof here in this room tonight to, to uh, uh, bear out what I'm talking about in joining. I'd like for you to take maybe 15 seconds, and I want you to check your purses, check your pockets, uh, check your person, and find some evidence that you have joined something. Go ahead, look, look. You've got some evidence there that you brought with you tonight that you've joined something. Okay? That was not 15 seconds, but that's enough time anyway. Uh, and I'd like for you to share a few things. Let's, let's show us what you, what you came up with. What do you have? Costco card. You can't live without a Costco card. Triple A. That's, that's come up in every service, I think. Triple A. We have to have Triple A, even if we don't have Costco. We do have an alternative. We have Sam's, but Triple A you just got to have, don't you? What else? Social Security. Social Security, okay. Yeah. That's important. And bank card or check card. If you would like to give that to me, along with the PIN number. Okay. Uh, yes, Cheryl. The Bible? You belong to the Bible? Oh, belong, you belong to the family of God. I saw Johnny back here looking at his, uh, 
uniform. Yeah, he belongs to the force. He belongs to the force. Uh, we, we love to join things. We're just, we're joiners. If we believe in something, we join it. We join clubs, we join groups, we join schools, we join relationships. We had a, a gentleman yesterday in one of the services that held up his, his hand and said, see, I belong to my wife. <laughs> so uh, we, we belong to relationships. We join branches of the military. We just join. We are joiners in the United States. When we see something that we believe in, we say, sign me up for that. I want to be a part of that. And it's the same with the church. It really is. The phrase that we're looking at tonight in the Apostles' Creed, this I believe in the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints, is one of those phrases. I, I probably have had more questions about that phrase since I've been in ministry than any, anything else, including salvation. People are more concerned about Holy Catholic Church than they are, well, how can I go to heaven? I'm serious. It comes up in almost every discussion where the Apostles' Creed in, in, uh, includes that little phrase. That's why when I rewrote it for you guys, I took out Catholic Church and put Universal Church because the phrase Holy Catholic Church means Universal Church. It means worldwide church, all-inclusive the Holy Universal Church. Notice the Catholic in that uh, uh, instance right there is a small c. It's not a big c. It's an archaic word, Catholic. It means, it means universal. It means altogether. It means uh, for their purposes here worldwide. It's an archaic word that we wouldn't use. I, I, I guess we'd never use it in, in our day-to-day lives around here. I mean, you don't call that part of your car the, the Catholic joint, do you? You call it the universal joint. But when, when that joint goes out, nothing works, right? It's, it's, it, it controls everything else uh, in the car. And that's the idea behind Holy Catholic Church, Holy Universal Church. Now, it's not a reference to the Roman Catholic Church, and I think that's why People get a little antsy when, when we say the old Apostles' Creed and it's, it shows up there. Not uh, referring to the Roman Catholic Church at all. Actually, the Apostles' Creed, if you'll recall from our previous discussions, was written down about 150 A.D. 150 A.D. The Catholic Church, and I looked this up, the Catholic Church did not really begin until the 300s officially. So we didn't have a Roman Catholic church for them to write about in there. Catholic was universal, the whole, the whole church. The uh, Roman Catholic church split from the Greek Orthodox church, or the Orthodox church, not really Greek at that time, but the Orthodox church. Um, and we've been splitting ever since then. Just churches split. We, we split over most everything that that you can think of and a lot of things that you can't think of. As we look back over church history, there's four major splits that took place. The first one was in the 4th and 5th century, and that was the split that took place in the Eastern Church between the Greek Orthodox and the Eastern or Russian Orthodox Church. In the 11th century, there was that final break between the Catholics and the Orthodox. That took place in the 11th century. In the 1500s, the time of the Reformation, Martin Luther, you know, that story. We get our birth from the Reformation. There was that break between the Catholics and the Protestant church that began then. And in the 19th century, this may be interesting, in the 19th century, denominations started. Up until the 19th century, there were only a couple denominations. But in the 19th century... They started showing up in force. Uh, by 1900, there were 2,000 denominations. By 1980, there were 20,000 denominations. And by the year 2000, there were 34,000 denominations. And it's continued to be like that ever since. As, as I said, we, we split over every conceivable issue that we could possibly think of, and, and over a lot of inconceivable issues. 
On the last week of the Alpha course, we look at the church. Uh, what is the church? And one of the stories that Nikki recounts each uh, time as we go through the course is this one that I would like to share with you tonight. I think this kind of sums this up. Although we should endeavor to dwell on those things that are unifying and common to all of us, unfortunately we seem to like to find instead the points of difference and disunity. I heard about two men who met as they walked out across the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. One upon seeing the absolute beauty of creation in the panorama that he saw. He couldn't contain himself and he exclaimed, What an awesome God. Are you a Christian? The other one asked. Yes, I'm a Christian. The first responded. So am I. And they shook hands. Are you a liberal or fundamental Christian? The first man asked. I'm a fundamental Christian. So am I. And they smiled at each other and nodded. Are you a covenant or dispensational fundamental Christian? The first man asked. I'm a dis dispensational fundamental Christian. So am I. And they slapped each other on the back. Are you an early acts, mid acts, or late acts dispensational fundamental Christian? I'm a mid acts dispensational fundamental Christian. So am I. And they agreed to exchange Christmas cards each year. Are you an Acts 9 or Acts 13 mid-Acts dispensational fundamental Christian? Well, I'm an Acts 9 mid-Acts dispensational fundamental Christian. So am I. And they hugged each other right there on the bridge. Are you a pre-trib or post-trib Acts 9 mid-Acts dispensational fundamental Christian? I'm a pre-trib Acts 9, mid-Acts, dispensational, fundamental Christian. So am I. And they agreed to exchange their kids for the summer. Are you a 12-in or 12-out pre-trib, Acts 9, mid-Acts, dispensational, fundamental Christian? I'm a 12-in pre-trib, Acts 9, mid-Acts, dispensational, fundamental Christian. The second man said, you heretic. And he threw him off the bridge. And that's kind of the way it goes. We keep pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing until we find that one little thing that sets us apart from the other person's belief systems, the other church's belief systems, and we won't have anything to do with them anymore. I, th I think it's great that we've kind of uh, married up with Little River United Methodist Church and with uh, St. Uh, Delight's Pentecostal Holiness Church which we have nothing in common with other than Jesus, you know. And uh, we can get along with them. We can get along. We, we share with one another. We help one another. And that's what the universal church is supposed to be about. The universal church actually, actually to be a member, to join the universal church, all you have to do is profess faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, Savior committing your life to him above all else. And the minute that you cross that line of faith, <clears throat> the minute that you step into a relationship with him, the minute that you say, I do to him, you become a part of his family. Scripture tells us that. Ephesians 2.19 in the New Living Translation says, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of of God's family. When we cross across that line, when we come to faith, or however you say it, you know, where you're from, when, when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, make that decision, accept him, whatever, you become a part of God's family, a part of his family. So as you look around here, these are your brothers and sisters here. Your brothers and sisters in Christ. <clears throat> and if you're not a Christian yet, if you haven't crossed that line, then these are your potential brothers and sisters. That may turn some of you off. It may uh, turn some of you on. I don't know. But that's the universal church. Now, the other phrase that we're going to look at tonight is, I believe in the communion of saints. Well, if... 
If the first one we looked at is the universal church, the communion of saints refers to the local church, to the local body of believers. And I think it's just fascinating that, to think that, that the writers of this Apostles' Creed back in 150 A.D., under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, were thinking about the big picture and the small picture, the church universal and the local church. They already had that in mind. And why is that so important? Why is that important to us at all? I have millions and millions and millions of brothers and sisters that are Christians in that universal church around the world, as you do. But I don't get to see them. I don't get to rub elbows with them once a week. I don't get to know them, know their names, know their families, know what they do. I don't get to celebrate communion with them every Sunday as we do here, every Monday night in your case, as we do here. When you belong to a local church, Renovation Church, for example, you do so by saying, yes, I believe in that. I want to join that. I'll go through the partnership discovery class that he was talking about on, on June the 2nd. I want to be a part of what I believe. I want to be a part of what God is doing here. If it's worth coming to, it's worth joining, don't you think? If you believe in something, you join it. And in Hebrews 10.25, the writer of that scripture, who who I believe to be the apostle Paul, Uh, warns all of us. He could see it coming. He warns all of us by saying, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage each other. And all the more as you see the day approaching. It's important that we come together for worship as a group. Worship is a lifestyle, yes, and a personal lifestyle that you, you live out daily Uh, as you go through um, your individual life. But it's also real important that we come together as a group regularly to worship. All the more so, he says, as you see the day approaching. What is the day he's talking about? And here we, we speak much about the kingdom of God theology and the already and the not yet, and Jesus has come and he's coming again. Well, when he comes again, he's coming in all of his fullness. The kingdom will be ushered in in its fullness, in its perfection. That's the day. It's approaching. And as we get closer to that day, the writer is saying it's more and more and more important for us to come together and worship as a group. If you believe in something, you join it. And if you believe in something, you share it. You share it. Communion is a community word. They have the same root. And communion requires that you share something in common with each other. Now, we do this really neat thing here at Renovation every week. We look at a couple of symbols. And you know what? There's, there's nothing special about this bread. We buy it at the grocery store. You can buy it anywhere you want to. There's nothing special about this wine. It's not an expensive wine. It's probably the cheapest wine on the shelf. It's bought at the grocery store too. There's nothing special about them. But what they symbolize is special. And what they symbolize is that the God that loves me, the God that sent his son to die for me, is the same God that loves you, the same God that sent his son to die for you. And we share that in common at the communion table each week. If you really love something, if you really believe in something, you share it. You, share, you can't wait to share it, as a matter of fact, with other people. And we're doing this other thing at Renovation Church called Build and Bring. 
We talk to you regularly about it, maybe not every week, but regularly. And we say, build a relationship with somebody, your neighbor across the street, somebody that works uh, in the same office as you, who teaches in the same school that you do, somebody that you met just today in the grocery line or at the bank or at the garage or wherever it might be. Build that relationship and then bring them, <clears throat> bring them with you here. Now, I want you to help me again. This is kind of a, an interactive evening for us. You've already done one of the little exercises. The second one is this. I'd like for you to raise your hand if you came to Renovation Church because you were invited to come by somebody. The whole back row. <laughs> okay. Majority of us came because of a personal invitation. Does that strike you as being important to maybe the rest of us? I, there are some people that come because they see the sign. We, we had a family last, last summer, I guess it was, the end of the summer, <clears throat> that were from Canada. And they were traveling from Florida back to Canada. They drove in through McDonald's through the drive-thru and, and got something to eat, saw the sign, and they came in. Four kids and, and uh, husband and wife. And they came in and sat through the whole service. I don't think they understood anything we did because they were from Montreal and they didn't speak English. They wrote a little English, but they only spoke French. They came in because of the sign. They weren't invited, at least not by one of us. I guess the Holy Spirit invited them. But... Uh, they were an exception to the rule. Most everybody that we talk to comes because somebody else has asked them to come. And I think that's real important because our memory verse tonight has to do with how important it is to invite someone. Our memory verse is Psalm 122.1. And it says this, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And you know kind of the routine that we go through here with this memory verse. We have the address for the memory verse at the beginning. Then we have the verse. Then we have the address at the end. And I told you it's because when I grew up, I memorized Scripture and didn't have a clue where to find it in the Bible. And I was determined that if I ever committed to memorizing Scripture again, I was going to know that address. So I encourage all of you to memorize the address as part of memorizing the Scripture. It works like this for those of you that have been here and those of you that haven't, you'll catch on to it pretty quickly. Let's see if we can memorize Psalm 122.1. Say it with me. Psalm 122.1. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Psalm 122.1. Psalm 122.1, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Psalm 122.1, Psalm 122.1, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Psalm 122.1, Psalm 122.1, I was Psalm 122.1, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Psalm 122.1, Psalm 122.1, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Psalm 122.1, Psalm 122.1, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Psalm 122.1, and there it is. So, if you've been with us every week, that's the fifth verse that you've memorized since we started this series. Five verses. They seem like they're not connected, and they may not be to you, but they all have to do with living out what we believe. And as I told the groups yesterday... I promise you there's going to be a time when you're going to need one of those verses to talk to somebody that you're, uh, uh, to connect with somebody that you're talking to. And that verse is going to pop into your mind at just the right moment because you've tucked it away in your heart. 
Nobody can take that away. You just need to review them once in a while. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. It doesn't say I was sad, does it? It says I was glad. I was glad when they said to me. Now, I don't, I, but I'm not by myself here, I, I don't believe. I've been invited to churches before. I feel like you probably have too. And the invitation would go something like this. Um, um, I, I, go, I, go, I go to this church on Sunday. <laughs> and uh, if you're not doing anything this Sunday... Um, Oh, you know, the music's great, and, uh, and, and the teaching's pretty good. Um, you wouldn't want to go with me, would you? Now, how exciting is that? Does that make you want to sign up? But unfortunately, that's probably the way that we go about inviting most people to come to church with us. Like you're ashamed of it. Like you don't want to invite them. Like you don't really want them to come. That's real effective. So how do you invite people? Well, uh, this verse, Psalm 122.1, tells us how, I believe. First of all, you invite them with gladness. With gladness. It says, with gladness, with joy in your heart. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. What would that sound like in an invitation? Well, it might sound something like, well, I found this... I found this church is really helping me in my life. I, I've never experienced anything like this before. It's called, it's called Renovation Church. It's kind of a new church. And all of us are being kind of renovated together, uh, changing our lives together. It's a neat concept. We do some, some neat things. The music's good. The teaching's great. <laughs> and we're doing some special stuff. I'd, I'd really love it if you would come with me one Sunday. Would, would you consider, would you come with me? Can I pick you up? See, that's a lot more energy, a lot more um, uh, joy and gladness in the invitation than, than what you saw before. Not with, the, not with the head down and the eyes down and the, and the tone down. And, you know, I'm not, I really don't care whether you come or not. No, you look them in the eye and you say, I want you to be my guest. I'd love for you to come with me. Invite them with gladness. So how do you invite people to come? With gladness. And you invite them to come with you. With you. And I think this is even bigger, more huge than the gladness thing. Invite them to come with you. The Bible says, I was glad when they said to me, let us... Let us. Do you hear the, the, the change in pronouns there from me to us? It's a lot easier to come to church, if you, for them to come to church, if you'll go pick them up. Offer to go pick them up at their house. Offer to meet them somewhere and to bring them with you. And you know what? It gives you an opportunity to build up a little relationship before you actually get to church. What's it take, five minutes maybe from your house, ten minutes from your house? Well, there's ten minutes worth of relationship time that you can spend connecting with one another. Maybe going through some of the things that happen at church. It is intimidating to come through this, church, to, through this door at a church for the first time and you don't, you're by yourself and you don't know anything about it. You don't have to worry about where the restrooms are. You don't have to worry about the food sitting out there. Is that for uh, us to eat or is that for the people that are playing the guitars? Do they eat that after they're through? Um, yeah, man, it looks pretty good. Um, do I get up and get it or does somebody bring it to me? And oh, those cinnamon rolls, those were, those were really Can I have another one of those or would, uh, should I not ask? Can I bring coffee to my seat or... What if I spill it? Gosh, that would be bad, wouldn't it? Do 
they're worried about when to sit and when to stand. Not so much here, but in a lot of churches. There's a lot of sitting and standing and sitting and standing, and you don't want to do it at the wrong time. Uh, what did the people say? I mean, if they're saying the Apostles' Creed as a group, and I don't know the Apostles' Creed, then I'm kind of left out of that little exercise. If we're singing this little light of mine, and the words aren't up on the screen, I don't have a clue what they're singing. What should they do? Do we get up and where do I, do, do I have to give money? <laughs> That's one thing they always think about. Do I have to give money? When did I do it and how did I do it? Oh, and this, this stuff up here in the front, are we going to eat? And uh, how do we do that? What if I do it the wrong way? You know, I want to do it the right way. Think how it was when you went to a church by yourself, a new church by yourself for the first time. Hasn't been too long ago, probably three years ago, that I had an opportunity to, to visit one of our local churches in, in the area to go to a contemporary service because I wanted to see what the contemporary service was like. And uh, what I experienced was not a contemporary service, but they called it a contemporary service. But to this day, standing here right now tonight, nobody has welcomed me. Nobody said, hi, I'm glad you're here. I was like invisible. I could have walked everywhere in that church and nobody would have even seen me, I think. It was the neatest thing from that regard. But one of the things that happened was we got to a point where the, the pastor says, are there any first-time visitors here? Raise your hand if you're a first-time visitor. Now, thank God I had been to that church before, so I was not really technically a first-time visitor, and I didn't raise my hand. But there were about eight people that raised their hands. And she gets a microphone, and she comes down off the platform and says, Hi, so you're a first-time visitor. Where are you from and what church do you go to? Well, what if he's never been to church before? What if this is the first time he's come because somebody invited him to come and you just singled him out, this guy that doesn't believe in Jesus at all? made him feel so out of place because he doesn't belong to the club. He doesn't know the handshake. He doesn't know what to say. You think he's coming back? Probably not. But we forget about those things. We forget about how important they are. So how awesome it is to meet somebody beforehand and talk through a few of those things with them. Tell them you're going to sit with them. Tell them you'll show them exactly what to do. Whisper in their ear. You can meet them outside. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to pick them up at home. You can meet them outside right before the service or, or meet them um, for breakfast, a bite to eat before you come or, or make a plan to go to lunch right after one of the services or in our case to dinner right after the services. But the important thing is bring them with you. Bring them with you. I think it's an honor to be invited to go with somebody to some place. And, and then it's almost like you're a special guest if, if they pick you up or escort you there. So how do you invite people with gladness? You invite them to come with you. And the third thing you do is you invite them to come and see what God is doing here. Come and see. There's plenty of churches around here. There's probably 12 churches within... Certainly within a mile radius of here. Now, there aren't many to the east, uh, but there's plenty over this way that you folks could have gone to this weekend and not come to renovation. So we don't take for granted that you're here. We think it's a blessing that you're here. But do you know what a, what a big God thing is taking place here? Do you really? Last weekend, across America, the average attendance was 88 people in a church. That counts all those huge churches that have 20 and 30,000 people in them, and it counts those small churches out in the country that may have a dozen. 
Average attendance was 88 people. Last Sunday, we had two services that had 88-plus people in each of those services. That's a big thing. That's a God thing. We're only two and a half years old, and we've got more people than churches that have been in existence for 100 years. We don't take that for granted either. That's awesome. It's God who's doing the renovating. It's God who's blessing Renovation Church. It's God who's growing Renovation Church. And only God can do that. We can't do it. I don't care how good the music is. I don't care how good the cinnamon rolls are. Only God can do those things here. We meet, for heaven's sakes, in a rented boat showroom. How attractive is that? We don't have a building to hold a lot of people. We're looking at a place, potential place to be able to hold, you know, maybe double what we hold now, maybe more. God's doing it. That's cool. And how you invite people to come is major. I can't emphasize it too much. You invite them with gladness. You invite them to come with you. You invite them to come and see what God is doing. You see, it has to include that last thing, what God's doing at your church. That's vitally important. You've got to make them understand that God is changing you. Hey, you knew me when I was like this, and now I'm like this. And you know what made the difference? God made the difference through my church. That's what made the difference. Come and see. Come, Come and just try it one time. See if you like it. Come with me. Let me take you. If you believe in something, you join it. If you believe in something, you share it. And if you believe in something, you support it. You don't just join it. You don't just share it with other people, but you support it. Support it. Communion, that word again, implies that you're in it all the way. You're not halfway there. You don't have one foot here and one foot here. We we have so many people... I shouldn't say it's not so many people, but we have a lot of people. I'm thinking particularly now, this group is a little different here on Monday nights, but in a good way. Um, But on Sundays, we have people that go to an early service at one church and another service at this church or vice versa, you know. They need to make a commitment about where they're going to go. They need to support one or the other, and they'll, they'll say, oh, we're supporting both. Well, how can you, how can you do that? You, there's a lot of things you need to do to support. A lot of things that need to take place to support. Acts 2.44 from the message translation says, And all the believers lived in a wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. And if you read that uh, verse in context, it's talking about the early church that was meeting in houses. Many of the people, many of the early Christians, didn't have jobs because they were... They were uh, thrown out of their jobs, thrown out of their houses, thrown out of their families. Uh, So this group met together, kind of lived together. It says that they sold everything and put it into one pot. And if somebody in there needed money for this or that, then it was available for them. They were looking out for one another. They had everything in common. 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 25 says, And so there is no division in the body, but all its different parts have the same concern for one another. In the local church, we can have concern for one another. We know one another. We, can, we know what's going on in each other's families. We had a lady, uh, not just a lady, we had a couple yesterday after the first service that uh, their son uh, was, was going through a very tough time uh, uh, with addiction and was going to be committed. And they wanted us to pray with them after the service. And a whole team of us from the prayer ministry team were able to go around them, uh, surround them, and pray for today when he's committed and for the weeks that follow here as, uh, as he goes through the treatment. There's no other place like that. You probably don't have that happen at the place where you work. If you do, it's a, it's a rare occasion that you do. I want you to make a quick list for me. On the back of your handout, there's 
there's some bullet points here. It says ways I can support Renovation Church. This is the last of the interactions that you'll have to do. Ways that you can support Renovation Church. Just, just think of three, four. Write them down there for me. Fifteen seconds. Ready, set, go. Okay, that's enough time. <clears throat> How about sharing a couple of them? Money. Giving. Giving, of course. Uh, we're not fishing for that, but yeah. I mean, it, they don't give us this rented boat showroom. I mean, we have to pay rent for it. We have to pay for the air conditioning and the heat and the lights and the water and upkeep and, and all that. Um, we give about 30% of what comes in to missions, local missions and, and foreign missions. We want to continue to be able to do that. It takes money to do that. So we don't make any apologies about it takes money. But those of you that have been here for a long time can count on one hand the number of times you've heard us mention money. We don't do it. If it comes up in the scripture we're talking about, we'll talk about it. Unabashedly, we'll talk about it. But we don't need to talk about it week after week after week. If you believe in something, you support it. And we find that that's the case. Um, wherever your heart is, your wallet's going to follow it. Jesus said it a little bit differently, but that's what he meant. If you really believe in something, your wallet's going to be there with it as well. And it's not how much somebody gives. It's that they give. That they give. It's the motive behind the giving that's important. So, yeah, giving, thank you, that's, that's one of them. What other ways can we support Renovation Church, your local church? Prayer. prayer. How important is prayer? How important is one of the One of the most important, I think it's huge as well. Um, we've been in existence here uh, for two and a half years. And I've been praying for you for three years. And for some of you, this is the first time you've been here. That's how important prayer is. That's how important prayer is. I looked out yesterday at the services and we had you know, maybe 20 new people that were in the services. People we'd never seen before. Why did they come? Well, it could be because there's a whole bunch of us that have been praying for them to come, for God to bring them here. Prayer, vitally important. It's, it's, it's humbling to stand here and know that there are people that are coming that, I mean, why? Why would they come to this place? <laughs> Again, the music's good, the teaching's great, but we're not all that, you know? We're not all that. What other uh, way can you support Renovation Church? Alpha. Alpha. We don't maybe speak enough about Alpha. Alpha is that course that we offer time after time after time after time again. And you probably get sick and tired of hearing us talk about it. But it's an opportunity for you to explore the meaning of life. What's life about? Why am I here? What's my purpose? Is there a purpose for me? Um, what happens after I die? You know? There's a lot of questions that come up in Alpha that we're able to, as a group, f discover the answer to. So Alpha is a vital vitally important part of Renovation Church, and we don't require everybody to go through it, but we strongly encourage everybody to go through it, to support us by going through it. What else? Volunteer. Ah, volunteering. How about service? Service. Service. There's so many ways to serve. There's a lot of ways that you don't even think about. Um, you probably can't tell it today after the rain, but for uh, Sunday, the, the grass had been mowed, 
It had been edged. The parking lot had been blown off, bushes trimmed. All that took place because somebody came and did it. This place is cleaned every time after we have some event in here, and we have a lot of events in here, completely cleaned. Vacuum, chairs moved around, wiped down, you know, the whole thing. The chairs have been repaired. There's, there was a point in time we had, oh gosh, 10 or 12 chairs that had gotten holes in them, and we had people come in and stitch up the, stitch up the chairs so that we could continue to use those chairs. Refreshments back here. They don't just uh, drop in out of the sky. Um, we, we used to have a sign-up sheet for refreshments and, and ask people to bring refreshments, and that didn't seem to work so well. Uh, last several times that we used the sign-up sheets, nobody signed up. So we, we decided we wouldn't do it anymore. We wouldn't say any more about it, kind of like the money deal. And now we have people that almost on a regular basis bring us something uh, for the services. We love homemade stuff. We don't want you to go buy Dunkin' Donuts and buy a box and bring that because when it's a, a homemade something, cookies or something, what? <laughs> okay. uh, they do like Dunkin' Donuts. But when it's homemade, it says, this is, this is special. I took some time because you're my guest and I'm expecting you to come and I want to do something really nice for you. So that's, that's why we encourage people to bake things and bring them. A lot of other things that happen here that are behind the scenes that you never know take place. And they aren't little elves that come in at night after midnight and do those things. They're people that are serving. One of the, one of the Greek words for service is the same Greek word for worship. And what that tells me is that to serve is really to worship God. You worship God in serving. The way you serve God is to serve other people in his name. So yes, service is one. Anything else? One more maybe. One more time. Training. Tell me more. Oh, oh, being, being trained for the different uh, responsibilities that we have, uh, positions that you, could, that you could actually serve in. Yeah, that's, that's a good point because we don't, we don't just ask somebody to serve or, let, or have them sign up to serve and we never tell them what to do. We believe that we, we, we do three things in our trainings. The first thing is we show them that there's a biblical basis for whatever's taking place. Wherever you're serving... We can find a biblical basis for your doing that. And then we talk about the way to do it, the model that we use here at Renovation Church that might be a little different than it is in other churches. And then the third thing we do is practice it so that you know when you come to, to serve in front of the, the crowd on Sunday morning or Monday night, you know what you're doing. You're not just showing up and you're scared to death because you're going to do something wrong. You've done it before. Because we practice all that. I want to end with two questions. Usually we end with a big idea, but let's end with two big questions tonight. The first question is this. How much do you believe in the universal church? How much do you believe in the universal church? How much do you support that universal church? Have you thought, I saw on the news right before I came over here, have you thought about the Christians that are dying in Egypt right now that were shot and bombed today in Egypt simply because they're Christians. And the group in power now doesn't want any Christians there. Wow. How concerned are you about the underground church in China? Thousands and thousands and thousands of people worshiping in China way under the radar, not allowed to do it out in public, not allowed to do it in their homes even. Honestly, they are underground. They're hiding. They can't be seen with a Bible or even a part of a Bible. They can't be heard singing a hymn or something. 
the universal church. How much do you believe in the universal church, the holy Catholic universal church that we talk about? The second question is this, how much do you believe in renovation church, your local church? How much do you believe in it? Enough to join? Enough to share with other people about it? Enough to support it in those ways that we talked about? And that wasn't a multiple choice, by the way. We, we support in all those ways. We support in all those ways. How much do you believe in your local church? Every week we've encouraged you to take some next steps. And it seems like each week they get a little bit longer, doesn't it? The first step is this, to memorize, to memorize uh, Psalm 122.1, which you did. You did pretty well on that. And then we ask you to review the scriptures that we've memorized before. Uh, the first one was 1 Corinthians 16.13 which says, help me, be on guard, stand true to what you believe, be courageous, be strong. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Psalm 46, 1. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. Psalm 46, 1. You're getting weak. Uh, the groups yesterday did well till we got to the last one. Uh, Romans ten nine. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your uh, excuse me, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans ten nine. Okay, and then Galatians five twenty five. If we are living now by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. See, that was pretty weak. You might want to look at that card, review that one again. Uh, we also ask you to read the Apostles' Creed at least once a day during this entire series that we're doing. So let's read it together. It's on the back of your first card and on your braid here. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of God, the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy and universal church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Okay. And tonight I, I asked you to think about how to invite your friends. Invite them with gladness. Invite them to come with you. And invite them to come and see what God is doing.